right? But it's the stuff that needs to be on our radar. And that includes the need for more standardization, right? What are your policies? What are your procedures? What are the ways that you embed quality control? What are your onboarding processes? If you're like going into fetal position as I talk about this, I'm talking directly to you, okay? If you are like, okay, I'm going to switch the podcast now, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Welcome to Funding Your Healthcare Vision, the podcast that helps black and brown women in healthcare fund and grow justice-driven health practices that don't just serve, but transform communities. I'm your host, Dr. Omolara thomas Womadimo, community health equity advocate, physician, and co-founder of Strong Children Wellness, an award-winning multi-practice network that partners with organizations to deliver integrated care to under-resourced communities. After securing over $700,000 in less than two years for our company, I founded Melanin and Medicine, a consulting company to help more black and brown women to fund and grow their own for-profit and non-profit healthcare practices and create health justice. We know that black and brown women have been at the forefront of every revolution and healthcare is no different. So we wanna make sure that you are funded to build the healthcare that our communities deserve. Spaces where we all can be free, fearless, and fierce. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello, and welcome back to the Funding Your Healthcare Vision podcast. It's me again, (laughs) as usual. And I just am, you know, so happy that we are ending March, ending Q1, ready to move into spring, hopefully, hopefully, right? For those of you who aren't on the East Coast, I know this is not a big deal, but those of us who are on the East Coast, like that shift, that daytime, daylight savings time thing was everything, okay? So I am super happy. I feel like we're in it. And I'm just excited to talk about this topic today. Now, some of you saw the title, and said, no, she did not do this. She wants me to seek funding, which already <laughs> is difficult, right? For my practice or for my health center. And she doesn't want me to spend it on growing my clinical team. Okay. All right. She's crazy. Now, before you come to fight me, okay, I didn't say all of that. I will clarify in a bit what I mean in this episode, of course. But I did want to share some things that have been happening on my radar that I want to make sure is on your radar so that we don't have any issues. So the first thing is that recently on the Bootstrap MD podcast, I was there, yay, Bootstrap MD with Mike Wu Ming, and that will be in the show notes, the link to that. So make sure you check that out. And it came out a few weeks ago. I have been slow on getting it to you because as you know, I was traveling and doing a lot, but that was really great. And I just love that interview and it's on YouTube too. And so it's podcast, YouTube, it's Bootstrap MD. And so you'll take a look at that. I also wanted to shout out to Ogo Ekueme. So Ogo actually is a new person that I got connected to after I attended the African Descendant Social Entrepreneurship, or I was invited, applied, and luckily I was selected for African Descendant Social Entrepreneurs, which is was a workshop that was sponsored by the U.S. Department of State. And she, a mutual colleague, connected us about two weeks ago or so 
And then we got connected through LinkedIn. She is CEO and founder of Health Lead Her. So I'm going to give you the website after. Make sure you check that out too. And she's a healthcare business strategist for women across the African diaspora. And she actually just had her global business conference. Go her. Yeah, you guys know it's going to be a while (laughs) for an event, me and my introverted self. But she messaged me on LinkedIn and told me that in that short period of time, she started listening to the podcast and she loves it. And so I wanted to shout her out as a listener and just, you know, let you guys know, share, share the information, share the wealth. And that is what actually keeps me on my toes and tries to make sure that I am not giving you guys fluff because I know there are seasoned businesswomen in healthcare who are listening. I know there are healthcare leaders who've been doing this for a while who are listening leaders of healthcare centers, leaders of healthcare practices. So I I know that. So I'm on my toes. I'm trying to make sure that everything I put out is going to be extremely helpful for helping you scale and really sustain your, your, your business models. I also want to make sure you check out her site. It's healthleadher.com, okay? Especially for those of you who I know may not be at that stage that I just talked about, but maybe in more of the I'm aspiring or I'm in the early stages of building. She can really help you get your stuff together. Check out her website. And then when you are ready, when you scaled and you ready or you've grown and got a few clinicians and you're ready to now get some grants and contracts to scale even further, you know where to go. I'm here, okay? So don't forget to leave a message at melaninandmedicine.co forward slash messages to also share with me either questions or share the love on how you're liking the podcast, what I need to do differently, if anything, all of that stuff. Now, another bit of housekeeping that I wanted to share because it's coming up. So Many of you, you know that my passion is making sure that we build innovative healthcare spaces specifically that really can provide equity for low-income populations, especially communities of color. And if for many of you, you have Medicaid lives, so people, patients who majority are on Medicaid or covered by Medicaid, you need to be keeping up to date with Medicaid policy changes because it's always changing. There's always pulling the rug out from under us at every moment, whether it be federally or in the state. And of course we got something new. Okay. And so first thing, one of the ways to keep track of this, that even how it comes up to me is I set up something called Google alerts. So go to Google, okay. And go and put in Google alerts, and then it'll have you be able to put in a keyword that then every time news comes up with that keyword, it can come straight to your inbox and you can choose to have it come daily or as it shows up, whatever that looks like. So I have two out of many of keywords that I have, which include Medicaid and New York Medicaid. I encourage you to do the same so that you can just keep abreast of what's going on federally and then in your state. So what I wanted to share is that the Medicaid quote unquote unwinding, they always have a nice, a nice neutral term for really horrific things that are happening to people. But the unwinding is happening starting April 1st. So some of you may be familiar in your health centers and your health practices that a lot of money was being funneled out to larger healthcare centers, to even smaller healthcare practices to basically 
be able to accommodate the number of lives, the expansion of Medicaid during COVID to make sure that people had health care, right? And had access to health care, even if they didn't fit the like really tight criteria that existed before the pandemic. And so what's happening now is that March 31st, that's over. The, the government's like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And more importantly, between 14 to 18 million people will start losing their coverage because of this expanded eligibility during COVID, because of the, the lack now, the restriction and the reversion back to where we were pre-2020 and that expanded eligibility during COVID is now going to be gone. And so you, you, okay, need to equip yourself, your practice. So one, you aren't completely losing patients who just like, oh, I don't have Medicaid anymore. I got to go to the ER. But being able to proactively alert them to let you know if they've lost coverage, so letting them know to be on the lookout for mail, letting them know to, if they get mail, to send those forms immediately. And one of the things that you're considering as well as having a facilitated enroller on speed dial who can really help, you know, with getting people back on Medicaid if erroneously they were taken off just because they moved and they didn't get the letter. And also those who actually are no longer eligible and either need to go on a state-sponsored insurance. So for example, for kids who can't qualify Medicaid, we have like child health insurance program in our state. So that covers people who may not have the lowest income to cover for Medicaid or may not be documented in terms of immigration. So we have that as kind of a safety net. But then in addition, helping people navigate the exchange. One of the things that you know I'm a proponent for is developing a workforce for social needs. And so we have our navigator workforce and it's really important just because of the fact that when we're taking care of Medicaid patients who are on Medicaid, there's so many issues that come up that just focusing on their physical health is really a detriment. It's not it's not the right thing to do, okay? So being able to build up your workforce, we have navigator interns and then we have a navigator and those kind of things help us to build that around behind social workers because social workers really aren't enough. They are will be inundated <laughs> in most of our practices. I actually shared resources on my LinkedIn talking about this. So you can go to LinkedIn and follow me, just search my name, Omolara Thomas Uemedimo, follow me and you will get on that social media train. And please, okay, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, why not? Second, let me actually just bring this up. If you're not following me on Instagram, why not? Okay. <laughs> so those of you who aren't following me, I have one question. Why? Okay. Because I'm back to doing my Instagram lives and some point I will schedule them. So you'll actually know when I come on and you'll be ready and prepared, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. And one of the things that I like about doing it is that I'm taking what I'm experiencing as a CEO, as I strategize and think about funding and how to bring more funding in addition to the revenue that our practice makes so that we can scale and get to different heights. And I am bringing back just experiences that I'm having week to week and what I'm learning from them. And you know, now that we're in the post $1 million stage in terms of the amount of funding 
that we've been able to bring in through contracts, through grants, and what that looks like, right? So kind of giving you guys a heads up on things to think about, things to consider, which do include this episode today, actually. And so let's get into it. So now, yes, you can take off your earrings, put the Vaseline on, (laughs) come fight me, because I'm not thinking back what I said. I said what I said, which is that growing your clinical team can actually be a red flag for funders and in your funding request. And let's take a quick break and I will tell you why. This episode is sponsored by Melanin and Medicine and our signature program, Vision Builders, designed to help leaders of mission-driven health centers and practices caring for low-income populations. We help you access the tools, tips, and techniques to not only consistently secure six-figure grants to scale your organization, but also support the expansion of your revenue model to get recurring government and private contracts that don't keep you relying on fee-for-service Medicaid payments that barely cover your expenses. In Vision Builders, you get done-for-you services, including an updated personalized portfolio with recommended contract partners, grant funders, and available funding opportunities every quarter, creation of the assets needed to approach potential funders and contract partners with ease and efficiency, a robust curricula to help you assemble your requests, budget, and up-level your online presence to attract funders, and a -a one-of-a-kind peer community and high-touch weekly support from experts, giving you the exact steps to connect with partner organizations and strategies to ensure that you're successful as you implement. So are you tired of having to balance your desire to take care of communities in need, having to run your practice sadly like a factory that's based on quantity and not quality, and struggling to not burn out your clinicians, you need more revenue, you need more cash flow, and we can help you get that. So if you're ready to make a change, start by completing our funding readiness intensive at bit.ly mm funding intake. That's bit.ly forward slash mm funding intake, and we can help. We're so excited to learn more about your practice and how we can move it from surviving to thriving. So go ahead and complete our intake at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash M-M funding intake. All right. So we are back and I'm super excited to be back to talk with you about why growing your clinical team can be a red flag for funders. And this is the caveat, okay? Disclaimer, you know, like that on those commercials for all of the medicines, how they have that fine print, right? And they talk really fast. So the disclaimer is that this is for practices or centers that already have a stable amount of clients, right? So they're going, they're bringing in for, a let's say, a smaller group practice. If you're bringing over 30K or a month or more in like services and in, in revenue from your services, For, of course, larger centers, if you're bringing in over 100K or more a month, that's who I'm talking to in terms of how we position these funding requests, okay? And the reason is because you have passed the early stage, you have passed the like feast or famine, you have money coming in, but the issue is what the funding requests should look like are different tremendously from what they looked like before, maybe in the earlier startup stages of your practice. And so the first reason why growing your clinical team and having that as an itemized 
piece on your budget narrative for your funder is a red flag is it might throw them off about what is your strategy to grow. And so the way that I think about this, so why I'm saying this is that it can't, that can't be all that you have on your funding request, because when that is, it means that the funder is thinking you haven't thought really strategically about scale and growth, which is extremely important. They don't want to just pour money into something and then it disappears in a year, right? They want to see it grow and they want to see the person leading show strategic vision and how they're putting that money to work in order for the growth and sustainability of the organization. You got that? Okay, good. Okay. So the first reason is You might be missing budget and funds on what is the strategy to grow, you know, other than posting on social media, which a lot of people are leaning towards. Do you have a dedicated team member that is focused on outreaching to potential referral sources, scheduling, educational meetings, scheduling meet and greets with the leaders of those of those organizations? Have you even considered a stable lead generation strategy that is outside of just content on social media or hoping for referrals from your existing clients? This is going to be a recipe for disaster if you do not expand. There are multiple things that you can do for lead generation, which I'll talk about maybe in another episode, but including the fact that you want to think about what partnerships can you develop? What... um ways can you start to make some cold outreach and start to build that up a bit? You know, what are the potential ways that you also as a, as a lead generator can start to think about where are the spaces that I'm not in? Like, what are those spaces and like conferences? What are the places that I'm not in that the people who can potentially fund me, who can potentially bring contracts, right? Not solely focusing on directing your lead generation to clientele, which can be a trickle, right? It's like, okay, one patient, one patient, but how can you really be the status quo for other organizations to say, this is the place that I need to go to and send hundreds and tens of hundreds referrals to come to your to your space. So the solution for this one in your budget is going to be about where can you fit in partnership development? Where can you fit in funding to do educational sessions in the community with other CBOs potentially? It shows that you're not just thinking about surviving, you're thinking about growing. And that is what funders want to see. Okay, good. We got that. I hope you calm down. I hope you're sitting down now. You're not ready to punch me out anymore. <laughs> so reason two why growing your clinical team and having that as the all that's on your budget narrative or your funding request is your clinical team. I want you to think about whether your clinical team is still dividing their time between patient care and administrative. The shoe is going to drop. It is going to drop. Okay. If you have your MA doing labs or whatever, or doing your medical assistant doing labs, doing, you know, putting patients in rooms and then also handling like email and phone and other things like that, the shoe is going to drop. Okay. Cause we've shifted, we've moved now to a place where you know that growing your clinical team. So if you're adding more money to grow your clinical team, that's going to mean hopefully more patients 
and of course more team, but it also means the ever increasing need for dedicated staff to manage the back end, the inbox, the scheduling, also the need as you've grown your patient profiles. And this is where a lot of centers and a lot of practices need work because most of us a lot of times have been led by or founded by clinicians. And this is some of the stuff that we didn't have to do, right? But it's the stuff that needs to be on our radar. And that includes the need for more standardization, right? What are your policies? What are your procedures? What are the ways that you embed quality control? What are your onboarding processes? If you're like going into fetal position as I talk about this, I'm talking directly to you, okay? If you are like, okay, I'm going to switch the the podcast now, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, okay? SOPs, standardized operating procedures are not a nice to have. They are a must have if your plan is to grow and really create, you know, the team that can bring impact to the community that you're in, okay? And otherwise, you'll find that if you haven't started building these in, you'll find that the quality of your services will start to be kind of like irregular. It's like going to Starbucks, right? And I mention them all the time. And you ordering something and then it being completely not what you usually taste. And that would be because they didn't go through a standardization process that every person, these are the baseline ways that we need to deliver care in here, okay? A lot of times we can utilize the staff that we have to actually start that process, but we do need, like meaning your MA, you can embed some time for them to talk with you or record what is it that they do, right? And then transcribe that. That's an easy workaround, but as you get big and you're bringing on two or three MAs at one time, or you know, you're going to have to have these things in place. And so it is a process. I'm telling you that, you know, going through it myself has always been an issue in, in both of my companies, in my consulting company and in of course our multi-site practice. And so what is so important for you is to understand that if we don't focus on this now, the quality of your services, and some of you may already be experiencing the efficiency will be compromised because people are learning rather than having a cheat sheet there for onboarding. And you'll have a bigger problem, which is retention of clients, right? It'll be It's fine to acquire new ones, but if you're not retaining, it's actually you're spending a lot more money trying to bring new people in, right? Then retain the people that you have. And so what's the solution? The solution is actually embedding your budget narrative an area for admin, specifically for the office first, right? But then you'll want to have maybe an executive admin that really helps support you and all of the things that are important or supports your executive team, which can include the CEO, the COO, CMO, that allows for you guys to be able to spread your time, not honing in on the sending the, the tasks of emails and scheduling meetings and all of that, but then being able to use that time, which is necessary to think about strategic vision, to strategize, to be able to bring new ideas and be able to oversee the implementation of them, which is extremely important in this phase. And so I want you guys to think about this right now and look at your funding request and look at, oh yeah, if I got $100,000, if I got $250,000, this is what I would use it for. These are all the team members. 
that I would bring in, I want you to see what those team members look like. If they're just clinical team members, I'm I'm just going to stay silent. I already gave you two reasons. Okay. (laughs) I already gave you two reasons why that shouldn't be the case. All right. So let's take a break and I will be back with the last with reason number three. Okay. Wouldn't it be nice to get new six-figure grant opportunities straight to your inbox every month? Well, subscribe to Build, Fund, Grow, our monthly newsletter, and get a list of new funding opportunities and growth tips curated by our Melanin and Medicine research team, specifically for healthcare organizations serving low-income communities. It is literally the easiest thing you can do to get the capital to grow the revenue and the impact of your mission-driven healthcare organization. Just go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash build, fund, grow newsletter. Trust us, your team will thank you for making this so easy. Get on the list at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash build, fund, grow newsletter and get the money you deserve ASAP. That's bit.ly forward slash build, fund, grow newsletter. See you on the list. All right. So back to our discussion, okay? We've already talked about two reasons why it is important not to just solely focus on growth of your clinical team as what you're asking for and how it can be a red flag for funders to not fund you. Um, The third is, third thing I want you to think about, third question I want you to think about is, do you have any outcomes from what you've already done in the past one, two years? Do you have an out, do you have some outcomes? Now, those of you who run health centers usually have an annual report I will say some sometimes I'm looking at annual reports and I don't see the money, financials there. That's a big red flag. <laughs> but outside of that, if you don't have that Im- implemented into your practice on a regular basis, that's going to be a red flag in terms of why is that not there. Now, if you do, I do want to also mention that. So when we are getting grants and granting contracts and focusing only on using that money to grow the clinical team, we likely have not used any money or any resources to actually measure if what we're delivering is actually helping clients achieve the health outcomes that we started the practice to do, we started the center to do. And also what I'll say is that many funders, as you get bigger and you're looking for bigger checks, right? Bigger contracts. They're going to ask about what are the metrics that you are following and what do you have to date in terms of impact? And if all you can give are anecdotal client stories, or you can only give maybe process measures, I'll talk about the difference between that. Actually, I talked about that on IG Live, so make sure you follow me on IG. (laughs) If you are only doing that, that is going to be a red flag. You can't like, so let's talk about process, right? Let's talk about process and just the baseline stuff. So baseline, if you can't easily just report your demographics, right? How many male, female, different races, ethnicities, you know, how many have, you know, chronic medical problems. If you can't just do that, 
that is an investment that needs to be made in whatever it is in your EMR. If having a person, an intern who actually does that, you know, pulls that out, what percent of your patients have stayed for more than one year? What percent of your patients don't have no-shows? These are really important things that allow for you to identify your competitive advantage, your distinct value add, and then allow for your practice and your center to rise to the top when it comes to the funder making decisions about where they should place their money. It basically is, we need to make sure that you have investments into a monitoring and evaluation process, something like that. We call it m and in the public health world. And the reason why this is such a big thing is that the funders, the you know, they aren't sure funding you actually will lead to the outcomes they want for the population. And then your request becomes a big no, <laughs> because they're like, we have no proof, right? It's like when you're asking for a loan from the the bank, they're like, okay, cool. What what you got just in case this don't fall through? Grantors can't do that. Once they put it out, it's gone, right? They can't come back to you like, no, 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 we're just kidding. No. So they do something called due diligence. Same thing when looking at those who are investing and other things, which, you know, like I said, we've run the gamut in terms of equity investments, grants, or coverable grants. You know, it's been a fun ride in our practice and it's still going, but I think it's just important for you to know that this is happening. The other piece is the solution. What can we do? So in your funding request, discuss evaluation, discuss maybe partnering with a biostatistician from an academic institution, right? You can get a number of hours from them. If, If you already have process and like baseline measures, they can now take that and evaluate it, right? Or if you don't have that, getting an MPH intern and connecting with a school to start with data collection and and review and just gathering and pulling out the information. So that is going to be extremely important. If you, you haven't done that, that means you need to be connected with academia. And there is a need on both ends, right, to be able to have that kind of relationship with your practice. And it allows for you to scale a lot faster if you have that mindset as well. And so in summary, the three reasons why focusing your funding ask on just growing the clinical team is a red flag, okay? I think we all are clear now, (laughs) means that funders may think or may believe that you are ignoring the other things that are important for growth and that doesn't sit well. And so we talked about those three things that we don't want you ignoring, right? In in the sake for the sake of growth of clinical team, a strong traffic and marketing strategy and personnel dedicated to that, operations on the back end to ensure everything that you created doesn't start falling apart and looking janky, and then that monitoring and evaluation to ensure what you're doing actually works and informs any changes that can ensure that you meet the health outcomes that you're striving for. So I hope this was eye-opening. And if so, send me a message. Let me know if I'm on the right track or if I'm doing things differently. You can go to at, not at, sorry. You can go to melaninandmedicine.co, spell out the and, andmedicine.co forward slash messages. That's melaninandmessages, melaninandmedicine.co forward slash messages. Also, like I said, I'll say it again, 
follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. It will really round out what you're listening to here and the experience of what we're educating on. It is my intent to give you information. My intent is not to hold it back, right? Because I know that what I do here is it's generalized. I know what I do inside of my programs is much more personalized. That is the place where it's now like, okay, this is cool, but what about me, Omolara? What should I do? And that's when people come and work with us, right? And so I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving it all to you, but I can't personalize it to you. And that's that's the beauty of being able to have a program where I can have the bandwidth and the team to be able to do the research and give you exactly what you need. The other thing that I will say is on IG, IG is going to be the real stuff, like the challenges going to be me taking off my hat, being able to, to express with you guys what's going on. And, and the LinkedIn side is going to be tapping into what the expertise, the knowledge, what I'm reading and bringing in that sage part of me that I love and the research and information part that I love for running a practice and or a center that is dedicated to low-income communities. All right. So... As usual, I hope that this was helpful for you. Don't forget to stay fierce with how you run your practice, stay fearless about your goals, and never miss a chance to get funded. I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Hey, visionaries. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, can you do me a favor or maybe two? Can you subscribe and then can you share it with a friend? And if you really liked it, can you review and rate it on Apple Podcasts? So as you know, it helps our podcast to be seen by more and more Black and Brown women in healthcare across the globe. I also want to make sure that we don't leave you hanging if you're trying to get funding for your practice or if you're just stuck. Head to our resources page at bit.ly forward slash melanin and medicine. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash melanin, A-N-D, medicine. And there we have masterclasses, learning series, as well as the ability to just cut to the chase and submit an intake and get the personalized feedback on your practice that you want. This podcast is a sisterhood, so don't forget to join the party and the conversation on Instagram. DM us, tell us what you want to hear, comments about the episode or what we didn't talk about. We love answering questions and maybe your question might get featured on the podcast. So please don't be shy. You can follow us at Melanin Medicine Co. Your vision is big and we're here to let you know it's possible. Keep going and definitely keep listening. See you next week.